How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode 94 of Fear Frequency. It's me, Jimmy Champagne, your host. And with me, as always, is George Frizzard, my co-host. What's up, dude? Nothing much, man. How you doing today? Got so much energy because we're recording earlier in the day, not late for either of us. It feels feels good. Feeling great. <laughs> how how you doing? Yeah, feeling good. Uh, just finished up work for the day. Now time for a little bit more work. We have a big show today, George. We've got a huge news section got some good and bad news in there thanks to COVID, obviously and we also have a review of host the new shutter original that is not only in english <laughs> yes it is really good and at the end i got to talk to the director who is also a co-writer and then the other co-writer uh rob savage and jed shepherd i said them respectively in the right order which was super fun i i woke up really early to talk to them because they're on uk time and we went way over our 20-minute limit, so I'm <laughs> editing down the interview, and it'll be at the end of the show. Really exciting stuff in there for a brand-new found footage movie. And we finally got on Shudder's uh, PR list, which was like eight hours of work from yesterday <laughs> figuring this out, trying to figure out who to email, how to talk to these people. And shout-out to our friend Luke Rodriguez over at Modern Horrors and the Modern Horrors podcast. Everyone should know who he is at this point. He connected me with the pr people over at shutter gotta say thanks to him he may be on the show next week we're still trying to figure it out but very big week for the show very exciting also my review tweet of fucking uh host blew up so i'm feeling pretty good this week yeah everything's looking up it's become to the point too where i'm like kind of synonymous with the movie now for some reason so like if people see it they tweet out a review and they say like jimmy turned me on to this Here's my review. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Some solid word of mouth. It's very nice. It's, uh, and it's well-deserved. We'll talk about this later, but we were both going into it like, oh, great. It's a cashing in on the Zoom trend. <laughs> awesome. And it's a Shutter original. That's in English. What must be wrong with it? <laughs> and turns out, like you texted me, you watched it before me. You were like, this is really, really good. And you weren't lying. It is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, definitely excited to get into that a little bit later. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about that. But we got a couple, well, we got four news stories here, and it's like a mix of good and bad. None of it's too exciting, but we'll start out with a Halloween alert. Uh, it's, it's like a tangential Halloween alert. So remember a few months ago I was telling you about how Universal and AMC were arguing with each other because Universal decided they were going to release more movies on paid VOD, so like 20 bucks a rental. And then AMC said, we're not going to show your movies whenever we open back up. Yes, I do remember that extremely strange argument that they had in the news. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been months and nothing's really happened. But then suddenly, I guess they figured it out. Uh, so now Universal will be shown in AMC theaters and their movies will be able to be rented earlier than normal. Just 17 days later for $20, which like, I think that's good. I think that's a fair compromise because most movies make their money in the first two weeks. And I guarantee you that this does not include stuff like Fast and Furious 9 or Jurassic World Dominion. Like, there's no way they're going to put those on home video after two weeks. but Or after 17 days, which is almost three weeks. But stuff like Halloween could come out on Halloween on rental. So that would make sense. You know, smaller Blumhouse movies that blow up for a weekend and then are just pushed out of theaters it makes sense for that right so i don't people are like this this is the end of theaters <laughs> it's like no i don't i don't think it's that bad I, I really 
I think this is long overdue, actually. I think especially with like the climate that we're currently in, this was sort of something that was inevitable, where once theaters kind of start to open up a little bit, there's still going to be a large chunk of the audience that's not going to be willing to go out to a, a real theater and sit in a, in a theater with people. So I think this is a, a good compromise. Yeah, people who want to go to the movie theater are going to go to the movie theater. You know, there's a very small... I feel like the percentage of people who are just putting up with the movie theater because they like movies enough, but they don't like the movie theater is very small. You know, I feel like the people who want to see a movie in the theaters will still go. And also... With stuff like the Alamo Drafthouse Pass or the AMC A-List, I'm sure Regal has their own version. Uh, you know, like, I, I don't think this is going to be that big of a deal, honestly. And it's weird how long movies have to stay in theaters to before they can go on VOD. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the, the three-month mark is a bit long for that because, I don't know, it's like sort of out of the, out of the zeitgeist, out of the normal conversation window, so... 17 days seems like a good kind of meet in the middle point. It's weird that they came to this agreement after Universal delayed Halloween. I know a lot of people are assuming this means that they'll, uh, you know, undo the year delay and just release Halloween Kills on VOD this year. No fucking way that'll ever happen. They, they took a big L already and they waited as long as they could to do it. So I, I, no one wants to play this you know, musical chairs. They, they're sticking with that for sure. Yeah, and they still want that initial box office money. That's going to happen. And if, if they did that, if they streamed, like let you stream it this year on Halloween night, they would lose so much money on piracy because you know one person <laughs> will have that up on Giphy or uh, Pirate Bay within an hour or however, within two hours of it being released right. because that's how long the movie is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just have to record the whole thing. <laughs> so... Yeah, but I do think I do think uh, you'll be able to rent it next Halloween for twenty dollars because seventeen days after the, the movie comes out is October thirty first, and that's like a no brainer. Yeah, and that would be really cool. You know, I also probably go see it in theaters opening night and then rent it again on actual, you know, Halloween. Yeah, I'll see it at least twice in theaters and then rent it again just because I need to see it, and because. Of Halloween Kills delay, I was kind of just waiting to see what would happen. We thought NECA was going to show off some new toys at Comic-Con at home. We also thought there was going to be some set visit reports coming out, especially in Total Film. Their uh, cover leaked early that said they had a set visit. Now that I've read that Total Film article, it's very clear they rewrote it because all of the pictures in it are from Halloween 2018. <laughs> and it's just a very general interview of stuff we already knew. It's <laughs> with David Gordon Green. <laughs> <laughs> so also NECA their, their stuff they said that is delayed because of the movie and so is Trick or Treat Studios masks that kind of sucks I was hoping we'd have some new Halloween Kills stuff to look forward to to help make the wait shorter I do think we are going to get a teaser on Halloween again because it's very clear to me that the one we got a couple weeks back was thrown together for that announcement I feel like they can still pump one out this Halloween to be like We'll see you in 12 months. Here's some more footage. Right. And, I mean, as much as it does suck that, you know, the masks are delayed and the, the figures aren't coming out, it makes sense, you know, trying to conserve as much of the movie for the movie as possible without anything leaking. You kind of have to delay that. But, uh, 
you know, it sucks that all this stuff is basically made ready to go and just has to sit around and wait for another year. The craziest thing to me is that because, you know, this is a sequel to Halloween 2018, you've got Christopher Nelson who worked, who I guess is a co-owner of Trick or Treat Studios, worked so closely with them to take his movie mask and turn it into a mass-produced consumer one. A lot of people who have seen what the mask looks like in Halloween Kills and they also rehaul these masks for other people. They're just making their own Halloween kills masks out of the 2018 masks. Just <laughs> like, I don't know how they're allowed to do that, but I've seen a fair few of them and they look really good. We've seen even, uh, who was that guy who readed your Halloween 2018 mask? There's a, a large section of people that will take these kind of store bought masks and really, change them into something that looks a lot better i did a video with uh fandom empire i've been on their show a couple times they're really cool and they had a halloween kills rehaul that looked really good it was like the grindhouse version i would say of what the movie one will look like like there's cuts in it and stuff that i doubt will actually be in the final product Mm -hmm. but it looked pretty cool and then i've got two masks one is just like a rehaul of the halloween 2018 one because the mold that they use is flawless but the paint for a mass-produced 60 dollars mask right. the paint isn't that good so if you get someone to repaint it and reapply the hair because the hair is actually a bunch of strips it's not like individual hairs poked into it you can make it look a lot better and that's what these people are doing but it's expensive i've seen people charging like upwards of 400 bucks to do it wow i mean it's kind of cool next year Next Halloween, we'll most likely be able to watch the movie from home. And then rolling right into the bad news, Halloween Horror Nights, for the first time in 30 years, on its 30th anniversary, is canceled. I mean, like, we knew it was coming, right? Obviously. But it doesn't make it any easier. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a big event like that, it seems like common sense that they can't have it this year with the way that the you know, national climate is, it's just, you can't have a giant event like that during a pandemic, but it does suck because when we got to go to it last year, it was a really cool event. Last year was a big deal because that was the first year I got to go as a quote unquote influencer, which was awesome. I was so excited and I was hoping to be able to do that again this year. Hopefully they don't like really lock down next year and only invite people with like millions of subs. Uh, because I would really like to go again because that was really fun to post on Instagram and be sponsored by them. I thought that was great. They were really easy to work with. I'm really surprised they're not doing the Florida one because Universal's open in Florida, and so is Disney World. But I guess I, I bet it's just so expensive to create all this that it's just not worth it. And also they need so many people to pay for the tickets to offset the cost of the mazes. I feel like it's, I get why they're canceling it. Yeah. I mean that, and also I'm sure they have to abide by, you know, social distancing or some kind of rules for the actors in that. And that just does not seem feasible at all. I I don't know how any haunted house can like effectively run this year. I know, but a bunch of them are because friend of the show, he's never been on, but I'm sure he will in the future. We talk about him all the time. My friend Cortland Gordon, who's a fellow Michigander who moved out to LA. Every year he does the advertising and commercials for Niles Scream Zone, which is like a whole massive haunted house situation down in Niles, Michigan. And they had him come back to do it for this year. So they're planning on opening... I'm really curious to see what will happen with stuff like Erebus or, uh, you know, Rotten Manor. 
because I don't think like I don't think it's going to hurt them all that bad to not open because they own the property and these haunts make millions of dollars you know it's not like a small operation so I feel like having to take one year off won't necessarily hurt them it just sucks that Rotten Manor lost a lot of business at the end of last season because their parking lot flooded on the weekend of Halloween <laughs> which you can't really do much about that no. but I think you said they made up with it for the Christmas version they did yeah the Christmas event was cool and it was uh pretty pretty crowded so they seem to you know they at least had another event that year that uh from my point of view, it seemed like it did pretty well. What is really going to be totally perfect for this year is that Tilson Street in Romeo, Michigan. Yes. Because yes, it will. You don't you don't interact with the houses. You're just looking at them. So keeping people on the sidewalk, far away from your house, where they can just check out your cool decorations, stuff like that is really going to thrive. I think. Yeah, I saw. I'm not sure exactly what the event was, but there, I saw an advertisement for a drive-through haunted house. So people are getting creative in that way. So I guess we'll just, we'll see how people handle it. Wait, so in Michigan, they're doing a drive through haunted house? I'm not sure if it was in Michigan or if it was uh, like a, a bigger event somewhere else. But the idea was basically a haunted house that you never leave your car. Yeah, so I put on here, the haunted road in Orlando is opening up at the end of the year. That might be it. Yeah. It's basically what you just said where as guests drive through each nightmarish scene they'll be immersed into a ghastly rendition of an untold story of rapunzel it's a cool concept i think it's really smart to do a drive through haunted house like this i'm not into the theming mm -hmm. i feel like you would be much better served to do something like texas chainsaw massacre or you know something that's more rural based and not <laughs> not fantasy fairy tales <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> seems odd to me but michigan if something like this happened in michigan it would totally kill there's so many dirt roads and just woods everywhere exactly you could set up like a creepy graveyard scene just get a bunch of decent looking headstones and line them up on a dirt road and you know just have like a path you drive on in you know someone's haunted house or an old crypt or something it would completely fit without any issue at all yeah you could build like a cool barn or something over the road like a drive-through you know i'm thinking of the jaws ride when you go through yeah, the boat house yeah, exactly. and there's all those tools or like twister with uh the shed with all the knives in it and stuff when they go in there that stuff like that would be really cool you would just have to have people sign a waiver or something i guess that their car might get like fake blood on it right like <laughs> you'd have to worry about that yeah and, and some places might even kind of already have a leg up i mean i know i'm sure they're all over the place but there's those uh like haunted hay rides in michigan there are certain ones set up that you know they have already have a barn set up outside or they have some kind of outdoor scenery and some you know guy jumps out or whatever so i could see that you know maybe they just convert that to instead of you are on a truck driven by whatever you are in the car yourself and they just time it out or something there's a way to do it i think i feel like this will if, if it's not a big thing this year it will be next year obviously regardless and i feel like it's something that i'm surprised it's not around yet like i don't feel like it's any less scary or has any less potential to be scary than a walkthrough attraction you know like i feel like this is just an original idea I think it's just like a harder ordeal to put together <laughs> to have like be able to fit a variety of cars and make a path and all that. I think that's just a lot harder and a lot less throughput than having people on foot. 
if you're in Orlando, you should check it out and I guess get back to us. We have an email. It's fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com. So if you check it out, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And if your town is doing haunted houses this year or not, also let us know in the email or tweet at us at Jimmy Champagne and at George Frizzard. And last thing on here, I have Terrifier 2 had its teaser release. I was kind of like not worried. I was just interested in if this movie was going to be affected by COVID and it doesn't look like it is at all because it's just a VOD movie. Uh, The teaser looks really good, but much better than I was expecting. I mean, the first one was a complete VOD release, right? There was no theatrical Mm -hmm. anything at all. So, I mean, it just makes sense that this would follow suit. I know that, uh, you know, the main character has definitely gained a lot of traction in the little bit more like indie horror scene. So, I mean, I guess there was an option of it getting a little bit bigger release, but I I never really expected a theatrical release for the sequel. Yeah, they did a Kickstarter and they made an insane amount of money because Art the Clown is definitely, he's definitely reaching or has reached like modern horror icon status. Like he has Hot Topic shirts. I've seen definitely, I've also seen uh, Fright Rags and Cavity Colors do releases about Art the Clown. So as a character, he's kind of huge now. And I know the Kickstarter did really good the teaser just looks like more Terrifier, which is what I think people want. And the synopsis is, After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art returns to Miles County where he must hunt down and destroy a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween. That sort of makes <laughs> him sound like the protagonist. <laughs> I, 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 like, I particularly like the word destroy. I think that's an interesting, <laughs> interesting verb. The first time I saw Terrifier, it totally just put me off. But then I watched it again for a video and I was like, no, I can definitely appreciate what this is because it's kind of like the best example of where it's like there's a huge chunk of the horror fandom that just wants fun slashers with tons of crazy gore and not necessarily this deep plot that's introspective and going to make you question your entire identity, Mm -hmm. which we've been seeing. And it's been feeling like lately the the one side of the equation where you've got stuff like Relic and Hereditary and Midsummer, all those types of movies, and The Witch, and any A24 style movie, really. It feels like the fans of those movies are treating it as if that's the only direction horror should go in, like political, uh, introspective, dealing with mental health, dealing with like shared trauma, stuff like that. But I disagree with that, and I feel like there's room for both, and I'm glad that movies like terrifier or the wretched even are able to take off when you've got so much of the horror world focusing on what seems like one type of the subgenre yeah uh, i totally agree with that i think there's definitely room for both i think that uh you know art definitely has a pretty decent sized following to say the least at this point so i i'm assuming that this especially in the current climate that we're in where people are looking for whatever movie that could possibly be released to watch. I think, you know, releasing this on VOD, it's definitely going to be a hit. Yeah. And like to each their own, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want someone to write about a horror movie. They're not interested in obviously, because then you're just not going to get a good perspective from them. But it just seems like a lot of the, the biggest voices in the genre right now, criticism wise are all looking for one type of movie. And it's just nice to know. It's nice to know there's both. And those are obviously the movies that get critically reviewed much higher than something like Terrifier or Terrifier 2 would ever be rated. Um, you know, critics, I think, just for the most part, kind of lean more towards those like introspective, deeper stories. But, 
you know, there's nothing wrong with throwing on something like this that's more fun and heartfelt where you can sort of, you know, turn your brain off and just just kind of enjoy what's going on. Yeah, like, I don't need every horror movie to make me sad, you know, or depressed. Right. Or, right. Like, I, I like movies like The Wretched because it, they're fun. They're fun to watch. They're fun to put on. There's stuff you can watch multiple times. Stuff like Haunt is another good one. Yeah. Like, obviously, that dealt with the whole abusive boyfriend thing. But that definitely took a huge backseat to the actual plot, which was a haunted house that's real. Like, that that's a movie I've rewatched more than Midsummer or Hereditary. And I love both of those movies. But it's just nice that IFC Midnight seems to be keeping stuff like this alive. And then you've got Terrifier 2. So it's just crazy that terrifier is blown up in such a huge way while not really getting much press from any big websites except for um modernhorrors.com like they really championed him and i know john squires at bloody disgusting who helps us out a lot he he's like acknowledged that yeah terrifier was just never on his radar but he respects that it has a huge fan base and he understands why they have it and i feel like that's a cool acknowledgement that you don't get from a lot of like critics out there so it's just it's weird i don't know i feel like we're gonna see a lot of these movies like that we've been waiting for come back because they have been during this year and i, I like that yeah it's time for the the renaissance of the old ifc midnight where they really release a couple of weird movies a year and they're all like decent yeah before we get into the review when i tweeted about host i compared it to one of our favorite movies ever the den because it's it's similar to that and that it's like authentically scary in a lot of the same ways. And then the director of the den, uh, he found the tweet and responded. It was like, thanks for giving the den so much love because people kept responding. They were like, Oh, I love the den. Like the den's one of my favorite movies. That's an underrated horror movie. And a lot of people said they were going to watch it because of that, which I thought was sweet. And then he tagged IFC midnight and was like, yo, can we get a Blu-ray release going? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> because so many, yes, because so many people were like into it. Because you can only get the den on DVD on Amazon. It's like 10 bucks. I bought it. But I would love to have that on just regular old Blu-ray. Yeah, I mean, maybe that could be like a, a Shout Factory release or something. Give it the you know, special special box tin and all that. Because uh, Screen Factory releases all the IFC midnight movies now. They have like a licensing deal. So... That's how The Wretched's coming out. I just pre-ordered that on regular Blu-ray because the 4K one got pushed to like January or something. Oh, really? So, yeah, I pre-ordered the regular Blu-ray of The Wretched on Amazon. It was like 10 bucks or something, and it comes out August 11th. So that's really coming soon. I'm excited to check that out again. Yeah, right around the corner. We were also talking about The Harvest, which we watched before we had this podcast, <laughs> which is a movie starring Charlie Tehan as a kid who's told he's like disabled i guess and he all he can do all day is look at corn <laughs> very very depressing life where he just sits there looks yeah. at corn <laughs> so that that's a that's one i uh would like to have on blu-ray i'm definitely gonna keep my eye out for that but speaking of good movies that we actually really like let's talk about host like i mentioned rob savage is the director and co-writer awesome name and then jed shepherd is the co-writer and then Gemma Hurley is the third co-writer, but she's also in the movie. Um, I don't. I keep almost saying things that we talk about in the interview, which is coming <laughs> at the end. But if you guys haven't heard about it, this is the Zoom horror movie that is 59 minutes long. And basically a bunch of friends get together uh, because of COVID and all this shit. They get together to have a seance. Uh, they hire someone. And obviously they, they, sum they summon a demon 
by accident. <laughs> and it's it's a found footage movie in that sense. They also didn't didn't have to license Zoom. Zoom was like, yeah, we'll work with you. And it just it's awesome. I, I loved it. Every second of it is great. There's there's all killer, no filler. It's just an awesome movie. Right from the jump, there's the setup is you know pretty hot and fast. It's like you get kind of a jump scare in the beginning, then you're pretty quickly introduced to all the characters. They feel you know very much as if they are actually friends and are developed completely enough to care for them and you know want to. Their interactions are fun. Like they feel like normal conversations people would have with each other. Especially you know, it seems like weird that something that was obviously put together so so quickly since it references COVID and you know they speak of masks and everything that it's written in a way that's so you know for the times but I just don't know how you put a movie together that quickly it just doesn't make sense to me the minute they said go to now has been 12 weeks <laughs> that's how long it took to write and make this movie uh they they took the best part I'm, I'm not spoiling things they just took the best uh approach with the found footage movie and they did it like how Blair Witch was where they just gave the actors direction and like here's point A and here's point B get there and then they edited it down and that's that's why it pays off the people who made this movie Rob and uh Jed they understand what makes a good found footage movie it's just you you gotta of course have chemistry between all the actors and they do they have great chemistry between all of them like they feel like actual friends that have met before it works out that all they are all friends in real life this is like their friend group that they all <laughs> made this together because they had a zoom they did what we did with joe bob where they uh you know watch movies every week over zoom instead of discord like we use mm -hmm. and it's just it's cool that they kept it simple which is really smart and the continuity is never broken. Like none of the stuff that happens in this feels like it doesn't happen within 59 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that the runtime is, you know, it's a short movie, just under an hour. Uh, and I think both of us really appreciate a movie that knows that it has X amount of content and doesn't try to make a bunch of filler or stretch things out or, you know, add an extra arc or an extra conversation or something just to hit that 90 minute runtime i think it was very smart to you know every single beat hits really well because they know it's paced extremely well and they know if we added anything more than this it just wouldn't feel genuine or wouldn't you know would stretch out the story to a point where people could possibly lose interest where i think i was on the edge of my seat for 40 minutes of this 59 minute movie like legitimately creeped out on what was going on on the screen after we've complained so much about movies overstaying their welcome you know like the beach house not to name names the beach house <laughs> it's yeah like you said it's really nice to see a movie that knows exactly how much content it has and then it doesn't try and fill it in with some dumb scene like the character getting into the zoom call on their iphone and jumping out the window right. and running over to one of the other characters houses there actually is a moment where a character moves from her house to another character's house but instead of just filling out the movie watching them walk there it, it happens while other stuff is going on and then they climb in the window and it's just like ah god you guys like you figured it out. You figured out <laughs> that you don't need to be an hour and a half for people to pay attention, especially on a streaming service when you're already standing out from most of their original content, just based on the fact alone that you have English speaking actors. 
you know, because as much as we have to keep saying we like foreign language horror movies, we enjoy watching them, we talk about them all the time, that's a barrier for a lot of people Yeah, that they are just not going to jump over. It doesn't matter if it's an inch high wall, they're going to turn around before they take a step over it, you know? Yeah, and I think this movie has already benefited from that. I've seen more buzz on social media and people talking about this than a lot, I would say, than any other Shutter original that's come out this year. I mean, I think the Beach House had a little bit of press, but I would say I've seen more uh, for this than even that. And I would say that was like the the highest before this. So um, I think this is going to be like the first shutter hit for the year. I think the biggest reason this one's getting so much more press than those other movies is because it was commissioned and made for and by shutter. And it, what it didn't show at a festival a year and a half ago or a year ago and get picked up. And then every horror critic didn't review it at that time, because that's what we've talked about this before. We've definitely complained about it. It feels like a lot of these big movies are gimped at the knee because they've already had their review cycle. So stuff like the beach house, it did get positive reviews when it showed at festivals. But by the time the movie comes out, they've got to rely on people to surface their reviews. And usually it's like Fantasia review retweeted from six months ago or a year ago. And no one's going to click on that because they probably already did when the movie came out. So it's, I don't think it's the critics jobs to market the movie, obviously, because that's the distributor's job to market their own movies and you could you could say that they're not doing a good enough job but you got to keep in mind these are small movies with a small budget and maybe they don't have the money to effectively turn a profit and blast the marketing channels with uh tons and tons of ads like i think that this is an actual shutter original that they made really is helping it blow up except for the fact that it's a great movie i really don't have enough like i i can't stop (laughs) talking about how much i really enjoyed this movie i think both of us kind of went in with fairly low expectations i mean i have more so than you because i i told you it was cool before you watched it but you know going in i was like all right a haunted zoom call movie doesn't seem like (laughs) necessarily the strongest plot but i mean it's the scares are extremely effective the characters feel very real it's like I said, I was like legitimately on the edge of my seat for a lot of the movie. The it's just set up so well, like you feel as if you're. I mean, the typical structure is basically one character will go out and be doing something, and then every other person on the Zoom call is like watching in horror as what's what's unfolding is happening, and you feel like you're one of the people in the Zoom call watching this all unfold. I had never used Zoom before today when I had to interview the directors and the director and the writer. And now that I know this, I want to watch it again, but it does look like if you just open this on your laptop and hit play, it would look like you're on zoom because you don't really see yourself in the zoom call. Yeah. I mean, I use it for, we've been using it extensively uh, through my work for working remote. So I've, I'm familiar with zoom. And so like, a lot of the, th- even, you know, the little, like, glitch stuff that you have to add to make it seem authentic all is, like, stuff that I deal with on a daily basis using the actual Zoom app for work. So, I, it felt very real to me. Like, extremely genuine. The biggest and smartest decision they made that I have to point out, they didn't use that shitty fake glitching effect. They didn't do the, like, uh, the blocky... Right. The whole screen like, static breaks noise. or whatever. It's like, it it was... You know, the effect that doesn't exist, that's in every found footage. <laughs> right, like the this. thing that no one's ever seen on their computer before. Right, because it's an effect that comes from, like, a like a 
tape camera or something like that. <laughs> it's just not even real. It's like a YouTube transition effect that you buy online and then they use it in movies to cut corners, essentially, because they're using it to mask cuts. Yeah. When it's a single shot movie like this, quote unquote single shot, these guys went the hard route and masked it the best way they could which is matching up frames so you don't even know because that's what that's how this came about they made a short film where rob showed his friends uh he was like hey i heard some noises up in my attic and then he went up in the attic with his computer and then uh cut cut to the shot from wreck oh where the monster <laughs> screams in the camera he like did a cut on zoom and scared the shit out of his friends and that kind of made it into the movie in a different way like that type of uh scare but yeah all the jump scares in this movie definitely feel earned because they're happening in characters houses and they're things that would actually happen like stuff falling over or ghosts pushing things around that's what that like intrinsically ties into the movie it's not just put in there to keep your attention because the movie's already doing a good job of keeping your attention i think that's also one of the strengths is when weird stuff starts starts happening around the house it's things that you could relate to. It's a chair sliding across the floor. It's a closet door opening and a bunch of stuff falling out. It's things that if you were sitting home alone and that happened, you would be extremely freaked out. And I think that's why it so translates so easily over this movie. When I finished it, I almost just comp- like started it over and watched it again <laughs> from Go. Uh, but I don't. I didn't want to watch it with my email plastered across the screen. And also, I really want to watch it on my iPad with headphones in bed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be ultimately scary. Like, so scary. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is absolutely just made for Shudder because it's a streaming service that most people, like it or not, watch on their phone or their iPad or their laptop. I don't think a lot of people even watch Shudder on the TV because that's how they watch. People watch Netflix. They watch it on their fucking phone. So this movie is just made to be watched on your phone. And... The reason it's awesome is because it's authentically scary. Like, it doesn't feel like they were just capitalizing on a trend. It feels like they really wanted to be making this movie. And you can also tell that they had a great time doing it. Like, all the actors uh, did their own effects. Like, all of the death effects, all of the gore, that was all done by the actors. Oh, really? Because, obviously, quarantine. Yeah. So, these people all had to learn, like, makeup effects, I guess. They had to learn how to use fishing wire to pull down chairs and, like, act right so that it doesn't look like things are going on. They had to learn framing to frame things in a scary way uh, on the screen. Even though it is a Zoom call, you still have to worry about framing it like a movie. So knowing that this was just a group effort of a bunch of friends who put this together in 12 weeks and it doesn't feel like they cut a single corner. It's just, it's like commendable. Yeah, completely. It is uh, a true gem. It's like, you know, like you're saying, everyone involved feels like they are generally, you know, like the project are having good time the scares are genuine it's a great setup it functions as if it were an actual zoom call while the premise is like kind of hokey it is not it does not come across like that at all when you're actually watching the events unfold even the whole thing where the setup is these friends hire someone to do a seance over zoom i don't i haven't looked it up but i guarantee you there is someone doing seances over Zoom for money. Yeah, yes, and definitely. I respect the shit out of their hustle. And all the people had their same real names, their first names, I think. Uh, like Ceylon is the lady who does the seance, and that's her real name. And 
because they're all friends they all use their real names that's a nice nod to Blair Witch there's another great nod when he goes up into the attic and there's a camera pan gag that's a straight call out to uh, Paranormal Activity 3 mm-hmm. so that is one of the biggest complaints I've seen people say I because obviously when I love a movie this much I want to see what other people's criticisms are just to like understand and one big criticism I've seen is like a lot of the scares have been done before but we're so deep in the horror genre and found footage as a whole like if you are a horror fan, it's really getting to the point where any scare is going to feel derivative if you're looking at it that way. You know, like there's very little originality left in how to set up a jump scare, I think. Right. And that's fine. And especially, you know, I think you and I are both <laughs> have probably seen even more found footage than the normal person. It's kind of the genre that both of us dig a lot. Um, and we've seen a lot of really shitty ones because there's virtually no middle ground with found footage horror movies. They're either the worst piece of shit you've ever seen in your whole life, or they're genuinely creepy and really good. So I I think taking the, you know, what works in the genre and not really messing with it too much is kind of how you get a situation like this where it is genuinely scary and fun to watch all the way through. Yeah. And I have this like brain condition where like my brain is extremely damaged and I can watch the bad ones for fun <laughs> and I really enjoy them. Like I regularly watch the houses October built too. I regularly watch uh, both hell house sequels. I just get enjoyment out of the idea of a found footage movie because they're actually scary. And if they have one scene that's scary, I consider that a success because it's really hard to actually be creepy. And I just, it's just, it's a really tough subgenre because I feel like you either like it and you get it or you don't. And I just think there are more people out there who don't get it. And that's why it's gotten such a bad rap. And it was genuinely new when Paranormal Activity came around. People go like, no, it had been around for a long time with stuff like the Blair Witch Project. It's like you can point to one movie. That doesn't count. Like, yeah, Blair Witch Project invented the genre. Other stuff like VHS popularized it or Paranormal Activity popularized it. And you see it a lot with especially like Blair Witch 2016 as above. So below those are both really, really good horror movies. And because found footage was just at a fatigue point, thanks in part to Blumhouse putting out a new found footage movie, multiple found footage movies for years straight. Uh, it just it killed the genre. Basically they flooded the market and saw the effects of that. So It's really nice to see that after a long break, we're finally getting a found footage movie that's really good. People seem to really like it, critics and fans who have gotten to see it early. And hopefully the consensus lines up. I'm like really crossing my fingers that this is one that not just critics are going to like. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I hope it gets, you know, plenty of uh, views. I hope anybody, I think anybody who has a Shutter subscription definitely needs to check it out um not a huge time commitment it's genuinely scary really good time um and like you said i hope that other critics feel similar to the way that we do about it especially if you've never had shutter before you can go on their twitter and there's a 30-day free trial link in the in their bio so if you want to just watch the movie for free that's the best way to do it but if you already have shutter or you've used the code before it's five dollars and this movie is well worth five dollars definitely it's like it's the best thing shutters had since joe bob honestly in my opinion Uh, by a country mile and i've 
paid, you know, $7 multiple times this quarantine to watch a movie that I've enjoyed far less than this. I had so much fun talking to Rob and Jed. Like, seriously, I've done a lot of interviews just between this show and Bloody Disgusting. And just right from go, we all just kind of like knew we liked the same shit, which made it so much more fun to talk to them. And we just kept bringing up movies that we liked. So I just had to basically stop the recording and then edit it down. Uh, those guys are really cool. I have, even if this movie was mediocre, I would say support them just because they know their horror and keep an eye on them because I feel like they're going to blow up. I watched both of their shorts. One's called salt and the other one's called Dawn of the deaf. You can check those out online and they're both really, really good. So I feel like you should keep an eye on those guys. If you, uh, if you never heard of them. That's all I got for the main episode this week, George. You got anything you want to say to wrap this up? No, I mean, just, uh, you know, keep listening to the interview, and I hope you enjoy the movie. All right, guys, so I'm here with a very special interview. We've done these before back when the show launched, within the first 50 episodes. We used to do interviews all the time, but this one, this one's really special for me because I actually love the movie. I'm here with the director and co-writer of host rob savage and i'm also here with the other co-writer jed shepherd and then online there's a third co uh credited co-writer Gemma hurley yeah. uh, were those credits correct yeah yeah and, and and again like written is kind of quite a loose term for what we ended up with we were all kind of just throwing in ideas throughout the whole process it was kind of it was kind of an amorphous writing process what, what is the script process like for a found footage movie i compare it to how the blair witch was made where they gave the actors an A and a B and they say you're at A, get to B and how you get there, this is the kind of rough thing we want to do. That's kind of how I see it but Rob's probably got a different way of... No, 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 that's about right. We basically, like it was really, like we, we literally delivered the movie, the final movie yesterday and yesterday weirdly was, was exactly 12 weeks from when me and Jed had the first conversation about doing it. So the whole thing from conception to like actually getting released was 12 weeks. I mean, we wanted to do it quicker than that. We, we wanted to get it done within like a month or something. We were really keen because of, because of the global situation and how, how things were changing day by day, we were really keen to get it out while this was still a reality for people, while they were still living under lockdown. And so, you know, as part of that, we decided we'd never get to the point where we'd have a finished script, you know, a conventional script where the actors would know all of their lines beat by beat. So instead what we did is we, we kind of worked together on like a 10 page outline. And then we gave that out to all the actors, but with different sections for each actor, we had them red acted. So, so all the actors knew what was going to happen to them, but nobody knew what was going to happen to anyone else. So the first thing we did is we shot all of the deaths, all of the scares, anything that would make them jump and get a genuine reaction. We shot those on the first couple of days. Then when we did the actual Zoom calls with the group, I was able to patch in the scares that we'd already shot. And then, so a lot of what you're seeing in the film is them reacting live to these things that they had no idea were coming. When their friends die in front of them, that's really their reaction to somebody, you know, getting picked up and tossed across the room. You know, which I think goes a long way because it feels really spontaneous when you watch it. So you guys, found some actors who actually have some really good chemistry which i think sets you apart from a lot of other found footage movies like this where there's a lot of people on screen they're all our friends yeah yeah oh, that's awesome. we have like a whatsapp group called quarantine movie club and from like march to about may we just watch movies every single day this whole group of group of us and then that exact group is who made this movie everyone in everyone who's in the film 
and who worked on the film is in that WhatsApp group. So like our, our friends, we were, we've been friends with these actors for years, the VX, VFX person, the stunt guys, the uh, costume lady, they're all just our, our mates. The thing that kicked this all off was, was this like stupid prank that we played on all of the friends. We, I basically had been hearing like weird sounds in my attic and I'd never been able to go up there because I didn't have a ladder. So I, so I got all, all the guys, like all of the actors that you see in the film, all my friends to come on Zoom. And we recorded the screen while I went up into the attic to investigate these strange noises. But I did like a hidden cut in the Zoom feed. So I cut to a scene from Wreck, where the zombie <laughs> child jumps out of the attic, scared the shit out of all my friends. And we put it online and it ended up kind of blowing up and we got like 4 million views and it became this thing. And then suddenly everyone was interested in like, well, can you do a full length version of this? Does, is this... Is this something that people would want to watch? And it was literally as easy as going to the people in the prank video and being like, hey, do you want to, do you want to make a movie? And they're and like, like, yeah, this is like so topical. topical. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but you know what? They weren't, when we first asked them, it wasn't like they were jumping, they're chomping out the bit to uh, do it because they're scaredy cats. We, we, we were watching films with them every day, but it was never a horror, horror film because they don't like horror films, even though they've been in, in, in a bunch. We played them Paranormal Activities 3 as nice. a bit of research. And um, the best one, by the way. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I was just gonna say that. I was like, I don't yeah. want to put them out. That's why we. That's why we played it. But like, almost all of them were crying by the end. <laughs> it's, it's legitimately scary. So I, I get that. But you mentioned the scares, right? I, I read it, knowing now that they're they're all your friends. This seems a lot easier. Like, what was it like teaching them how to do some of these? practical stunts you know because they were our friends we were able to just keep doing it until we got it right which was important you know if we were doing this like a profession like a normal professional film shoot where you had to you know where it's a nine to five and you get you know you get a certain amount of takes and you've got to move on it wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do it it was only because everyone was bearing with us as we figured it out and it was really like we were learning as we were going how it worked and um you know one of the things that i one of the things that i was really careful with is um making sure that all the actors knew about the kind of language of horror, like what makes a scary shot versus not a scary shot. So that's one of the reasons we played the Paranormal Activity 3, because I was like, I made them watch it. And then afterwards, I, we had a debrief and we're like, can you, like, you were really scared in that moment. Can you tell why you were really scared in that moment? It's because the character was sitting with an open doorway behind them. So you're looking in the doorway, you think something's going to come out. You know, I gave them these certain things to look out for, like, yeah, like if you have an open space behind you, that's going to be creepy. You know, if the camera's obscured slightly, you're going to wonder what's hi what's hiding behind, you know, th things like that. So we kind of made a list of things that would be scary. And then um, the first thing we did when we cast them all is um, we sent them fishing wire and we got them to do like proper old school, like, you know, 1950s moving, you know, closing doors. <laughs> opening cupboards, making things move around, poltergeist style. And then they, they got the bug for it. And they got the bug for it and they were pitching me ideas, which was great. They know their houses so well. They were like, oh, I'm always really creeped out when I go in the attic. What if we did something in the attic? And, you know, and um, it became like the super collaborative process. There's a scare in the attic that I was like, oh, oh shit, that really got, and nothing gets me anymore. So when something like makes me jump, especially just sitting on my couch, right? Yeah. That, that was so cool jed you're kind of like the found footage expert i can tell just from twitter what are some of the biggest inspirations for this that you part you mentioned i think the inspiration for that is is mostly things like ghost watch where um the camera acts as the audience's eye and you first see something and then you're not quite sure you've, you've seen it so the camera goes back and something is different and i think it's that that kind of eeriness of not being able to trust what you see that makes found footage like really interesting and, and effective but i think me, me and rob have the same like type of influences for, for found 
found um, footage horror. Obviously, Blair Witch is big, yeah, and yeah. you'll notice a lot of that influence in here. And Wreck, Wreck is a big one. Wreck, right up there. Wreck Two as well, which we both love. We've watched like pretty much every single found footage movie, and every horror movie really. Very keen not to fall into any of the uh, found footage traps. Um, that will kind of bring it into, into cliche territory. So Jed, Jed had a red line going into this that we weren't allowed to use like fake distortion. Thank you so much. I hate that shit. There was a time from about Ring 2 to, to about a year ago where it was in every single fan footage movie. And I was yeah. just like, we, we can't have that because it's not real life. It takes you out of it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the sure sign of a bad fan footage movie. So I'm really glad that we don't lean on that. Even some good ones just like, just like drop the ball by doing it. Like that Hell House one has some yes, like fake distortion, but it's a, that's a creepy um, movie, but it's like- Yeah, it's pretty good, but the the, the, the glitching is, is just a little bit annoying. It's one other big influence of uh, myself and Rob in the fan footage, and in fact in life in general, is Lake Mungo, which is one of the greatest horror movies ever, just because how simple it is. I watched it again recently and it's so rich. Like there's so much, every time you go back, this yeah, you pick up on. And very few movies affect me and scare me, but that movie actually scares me. Like, and I'm not scared by anything, but like Lake Mungo, there's some kind of like power in it to like affect yes, me. That, that movie's really good. I found it a couple years back because it's, it's another one like The Den, which is the one I like and host to. Yeah. It's just one that it popped up so many years after it came out. I feel like it caught on with people, which is fine, mm. I guess, but um yeah I, I love that movie and then i also i wanted to ask was it like a deliberate decision to keep this movie locked at just under an hour because i've noticed watching a ton of these vod movies a lot of them sort of overstay their welcome a little bit just to hit that 90 minutes or get as close to it as possible it was just because we when we pitched it to shudder we said like we've got no idea if this is going to work we've got no idea if this is if, we, if it's going to be a full movie if there's going to be just like 15 minutes of good stuff like I, i've got no idea how this is going to work so we like worked out with shudder that it, you know we give them something 30 minutes minimum but you know we were always thinking of it as a feature and shudder were totally game for that and it was like so you know like I, i've like i've worked in tv for the last decade and like the thing with tv that's so frustrating a lot of the time is you have to hit these very certain uh run times and you're either like cutting out stuff that you know is gold or putting in stuff that you know is making it baggier and making it worse. Having Shudder say, just make it whatever length it wants to be, whatever length you think is the best, that's what we'll, we'll, we'll promote, is great. And it just felt like it naturally sat around that kind of hour mark. And you know, yeah. also we wanted it to feel like a kind of, you know, the original pitch basically was that it would be like a real time 40 minute free Zoom call. So it's gonna be like 40 minutes, but we kind of use like, it's, you know, it's movie movie logic, so it goes on a bit longer than that. If you have got a free Zoom account, you know how frustrating it is when um, time's up and you need to speak to your friends. And yeah, we, we, we kind of, we've used all of the Zoom tropes that, we've, that people have experienced over this last kind of few months. And we try to kind of make them interesting and, and make it something that people like know about. Um, for all of the, the kind of preview reviews that we've seen, they kind of get it that the fact that um, we've been using this technology probably for the first time um, over the last few months and all of its quirks and all of its like uniqueness that makes it great. We've kind of tried to, to put into this and, and make it reflect the times, but also to try and make it timeless as well. And 
not just make it about the pandemic. Because it's, it's got to feel like a real Zoom call because we're all on them every day. So if it doesn't, people are going to instinctively know that something's weird and something, you know, it feels like a movie. That's the leg up you guys got on like Unfriended, both of them really, because Unfriended Dark Web, I like for how, you know, it just goes for it and doesn't really care if it has to play fast and loose with the rules of like a computer, but you guys nailed it. Do you have to like license Zoom? They've been super super cool. They basically said, because I was really worried about that. That's always like my pet hate. Somebody's using Bing rather than Google. I was really afraid we wouldn't be able to use Zoom or we'd have to make up something, but Zoom was super cool about it. They like... They helped us with our, like, get the, get the quality up on our Zoom recordings, and they were just, like, really up for it. How deep did you go with your uh, your demon here? Did you guys come up with, like, a whole backstory for it, or was it just, it's going to be a demon that comes out of nowhere? So a, a tulpa is a being that's manifested through group, group thought. Um, and in some cultures, um, you, you essentially can't say the name of a... Of a of a monster because if enough people say it, it will manifest it into the world okay. and it will kill people. So we kind of had the idea of doing like a Talpa move. Even before this, we wanted to possibly do something to do with the Talpa. And it just felt right to kind of have it in this. So so the girls are doing a seance and they're calling out to something and things happen and essentially something manifests. And I guess you could call it a tulpa. Because we want, we, we, we never wanted this to feel like a Hollywood movie where everyone suddenly stops and like Googles what kind of demon it is or like yeah. any of that kind of stuff. We just wanted it to be like, what would this really be like? You'd just be fucking freaked out and that's the end of it. Uh, so there's not like much discussion of it, but you know, the idea is, the idea that we kind of hit on was uh, Gemma, the character, she she makes up this story about, about Jack, this person who, who hanged himself. And by getting all her friends to believe in this and invest in this, that allows this demon, this demon to manifest, and that's why this demon kind of, it kind of mocks them with images of Jack, like these hanging, these hanging feet, and there are there are hanging bodies that we've hidden in the frame around the place. So it's, yeah, it's, we, we kind of use the Tolpa mythology to 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 kind of play around, uh, and you know, come at it in a slightly different way. Do you guys have plans to put this on any kind of physical media after the Shutter release or anything like that? I don't think we're allowed. I don't think we're, we're, we're allowed to say, but we, but we'd love that. We'd love that as well. And, and um, I'm sure if enough people love it, like hopefully it will happen. It'd be great. Are you going to stick with fan footage and horror with, for your next projects? We, we've got a bunch of things that we're, that we're developing. We just announced there's a project we're really excited about that um, Sam Raimi's producing that we're, that we're working on, which, nice, is, nice. which is hopefully going to shoot, hopefully we'll shoot next year. Okay. Touch, touch wood. Um, I'll cross my fingers. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. So it dep- depends on the state of the world. It depends on um, all sorts of things. But I think for us, fan footage is just another medium to, to tell horror stories. And, you know, we, we're not, it's not like we've ticked it off and we're never going back. We've got, we've got so many more ideas for cool shit we can do within this format. And we've obviously discussed potential other ideas to do while in lockdown as well because proper sets uh, possibly are quite it's quite far away to do a proper film and if if there's a call for it and if shadow want us to okay <laughs> what we've got we've got a fucking amazing follow-up to this if people get behind people get behind host yeah we've got, we've got an idea that's gonna unbelievable blow, gonna blow host out the water if there's, <laughs> if, there's a, if there's an audience for it so you know i always talk about this on the show but like there was, there was a year range where you were getting stuff like vhs and the sacrament and all these movies that were amazing like the innkeepers house of the devil like that crew you know the ty west adam wingard crew and then it just stopped and this feels like 
those movies to me. So I'm like kind of nostalgic for it, which is crazy because that was only five years ago. The, the innkeep, I mean, the innkeepers is one that we both love, and I think like that. Yeah. I don't know if we actually actively talked about it when we were developing it, but like the way that that film balances the character and the humor and then right. like the genuine terror at the end for the people out there who are listening to our show and you've made it to the very end of the episode you can find this movie on shutter right now by the time you listen to us or in a few hours july 30th guys thanks so much for joining me on here I, this was this was really fun i, I really enjoyed talking Thank to you. you this has been this has been great and again th- thanks so much for spreading the word it's been it's been a pleasure and i'm really jealous of your uh, michael myers mask that's on your shelf behind you